The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid? Hashtag AH Stories, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, July 19th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on FX on Hulu's American Horror Stories. Please welcome my co-host, Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. And Vinny Hatcher. Well, hello. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 1, which was titled Rubber Woman, Part 1, and Season 1, Episode 2, which was titled, appropriately enough, Rubber Woman, Part 2. Both premiered on July 15th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episodes for Part 1. A teenager and her dads move into a forsaken home with a grim past. As the family makes renovations, a darkness takes root within them. And here's a synopsis for Part 2. Scarlet enters a twisted new romance, while Michael and Troy are forced to confront their rocky relationship. Okay, so let's talk about this. This is a spin-off of the Mothership American Horror Story. It's an anthology series. Yes, American Horror Story proper is an anthology series as well, but American Horror Story proper is sort of an anthology series in the new definition, which is which means a uh, story that spans over a season, then you know, subsequent seasons are different stories, etc., etc. This is an anthology series in the more traditional sense, a la Twilight Zone, um, Outer Limits, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh, Tales from the Crypt, uh, Black Mirror, you know, where there's a brand new story every episode. Well, they're kind of cheating this time around because it is a two-parter, so it is uh, one story told over two parts. But uh, the next few episodes will be, you know, a one cohesive story per episode. We are going to be discussing both episodes during this podcast. Uh, initially, I was planning on separating them, but because it is one cohesive story, uh, there is a beginning, middle, and end uh, throughout these two parts. I, I figured it would make the most sense to just discuss it in one podcast, and uh, let's talk about it. Well, actually, you know what? Before we even jump into this, I do want to ask both of you, are we fans of anthology series in the traditional sense, where it's, you know, one story, uh, a different story each episode? Uh, Priscilla? Yeah, I love it. I feel like you get a fresh new take on a story or, like, um, a universe every chapter so you never get really get bored and I feel like if it's done well you never feel like that's it at the end of an episode you feel like you've gone 
all that you could out of the episode. You've gotten all the juice out of the orange, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel you on that. I think one of the sort of scary things, and we're talking about a horror series, but one of the scary things about an anthology series is that, you know, sometimes you will find clunkers. And so that's the only thing that's that's a little spooky about an anthology series. You know, out of every really great Twilight Zone or Black Mirror, you know, episode, you know, maybe an episode or two down the line, it's going to be a clunker. So that's the only worrisome thing about an anthology series when it's done in the traditional sense. Vinny, what about you? Are you a fan of anthology series? I, I, you know, I grew up watching Tales from the Crypt. Like that was like my teenage, my late childhood, early teenage, it started and it was one of my favorites. And I also grew up watching the original Twilight Zone and the other iterations that they've done. And I've always enjoyed it. But I think exactly the points that you guys make are very valid. You know, on the pro side, it's like when you have a series that you're passionate about and you want to explain to someone and they're like, well, what is it about? Well, when it's a a full on full season story arc with the same character story throughout an entire season, it's really hard to get someone engaged, (laughs) you know, because you can't give away plot details. You can't give away a lot. And it's hard for someone to commit to. So I've found in the past that, like, when I do love an anthology show and I'm introducing somebody to it, it's a lot easier to share that love because they can just get their toes wet with one episode and it's a completely encapsulated story. So I love that aspect of it. And sometimes the stories are absolutely engaging and amazing. But then, like you said, other times there's those episodes, like I can't remember the specifics, but there were a few black mirror episodes, for example, where I was like, you know what, I'm not even going to finish this. And then the new twilight zone that they did, that was an example of one that would have like a really good episode and then a really stupid or slow episode. So it's kind of hit or miss, but at the end of the day, no, I, I do enjoy them. And I think they have a lot of potential. Well, let's talk about this one. So uh, let's start off with the theme of uh, this two-part premiere event for American Horror Stories. The theme is a haunted house. It's a very familiar haunted house for, for you know the three of us that we watched uh, The Mothership. Uh, this is a continuing story of the murder house that we saw in season one and that we revisited in the apocalypse season so this is the first episode of American Horror Stories. They released two episodes that night. It's it's a two-part event, and they brought back the murder house. Was that a good decision? Question mark. Vinny? So I created a little slogan for this, actually. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll get to that when we actually talk more about the, the episode's entirety. Um, long story short, mixed blessings. I think that as much as I love The Murder House, and trust me, the first season remains one of my top four. You know, if I had to name a top four, it's probably number two. Um, But at this point, it's like, if you're going to go back to Murder House, you need to make it good. Like, I loved how they did it in Apocalypse. It fit the story of the overarching season storyline. You know, it was really good. But going back to it in this one, I don't know if it was the right choice for the first episode. Because if you're starting a new series, you should really try to bring people in with something original, something different. And doing something original doesn't mean getting an entirely new cast of characters that nobody has any connections with and put them into a setting that we've seen, what, like three to five times now throughout different flagship seasons. Um, I would have almost rather the murder house if they were going to do an episode to have been later in the season. I, I mixed blessings because I there were parts that good, but there were more parts where I was like, I, I kind of felt a lot of deja vu, like we've already seen this. 
It's funny because I completely agree with everything you said, but I understand from a marketing point of view and from the the showrunners and EPs and all that kind of stuff. Oh, totally. I feel like it's the opposite of what you said. Like, I think that they chose to do this as the first one is because of the familiarity, because it is the murder house, it's iconic, and so they thought they would, they could bring in some of the AHS regulars they could convince them to watch this by starting off with the murder house. Although I do agree with you that I, I, I wish they had started with something fresh and original and, and different. Priscilla, your take on uh, the usage of the murder house again. I don't know. Maybe it's because I like the classics. I like going back to like the, the originals and I haven't seen AHS since I didn't, I didn't see the last season. So like going back to the murder house just felt like, going back home to me it felt like going back to my favorite season so i i fucking loved this episode i loved going back to the murder house hey priscilla guess what what there's this really awesome podcast that when you watch the last season of american horror story you should really listen to that too because i hear it's really cool Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> i have heard that okay. as well but Jeff, since you said marketing, I have to do my slogan now. Can I do it? Yes, of course. Okay. Do you miss American Horror Story? Are you so desperate to return to any setting of any of the seasons that you will watch something even if it is all something that you've seen before? Enjoy new Diet American Horror Stories. Completely engaging content free and with characters you've never met before. Now that's funny. I like that. <laughs> and I'm completely fine with that because I totally was like... I've seen all of this before, yet I am completely into this story. I'm completely hooked with all of with all of what they're giving me. I will agree with you, but only with episode two. Oh, interesting. Like I, yeah, I was more engaged with episode two. I feel like these could have been one episode, and maybe it would have been better. That's funny, because I was more engaged with episode one than Ooh. episode two. Yeah, I love it's, that it's... we have all these differing opinions. This is going to be great. It's interesting because I feel like I'm right in between both of you because it has been, if you can believe it, it's been two years pretty much since we've seen an American Horror Story property on television, period. So I felt like all of the the nostalgia feels that Priscilla was talking about, you know, I was really excited to see American Horror Story again. And there's part of me that really enjoyed elements of it, but part of me was also like, I wanted more, and I, I didn't get all of that satiated. And part of it for me was because of the next thing that we're going to talk about, the characters. I did not really connect with the majority of the characters. I found the majority of the characters really unlikable. And the problem in a horror film, in a horror series, and in an anthology where you're going to have different characters every episode, you kind of have to root for at least a character or two because you have to get invested in the characters because as the bodies start dropping, as they start piling up, you have to be invested in the characters and in, 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 in them and their survival. And I did not really get that this episode, these two episodes. Like, if I'm being fully honest, the only characters that I found myself kind of liking were Matt Bomer's Michael. I found him the likable one out of the couple. Um, I also 
I enjoyed Paris Jackson as Maya just because I, I was really impressed with her acting. I was not expecting that at all. I enjoyed our, our girl from Once Upon a Time, Marin Dungy. And I liked um and, and her name. Wait, oh my god, that was her, wasn't it? Holy that was shit. Her. That was Ursula, yes. Oh my god. And I enjoyed uh Shanti, uh Scarlet's friend. And uh, there was a certain extent I enjoyed Ruby, but I felt like she she didn't give me as much as I wanted. Um, but Scarlet, I found obscenely unlikable. And Troy, you know, the, the second parent, I found him very unlikable as well as the story progressed. It's funny because I liked the dads in the first episode. And then in the second episode, Troy annoyed the fuck out of me. And, and I found myself right? to be Team Michael. It was funny you say that because I feel like Troy in the first episode was a completely different personality, or maybe that was because we were just seeing the white picket fence that they wanted us to see. Mm-hmm. Because in the second episode, with with and we'll talk more about like, the things that he did, but I was like, really, wow, I wouldn't – they seemed like such a really great couple. And then just to have him do the things he did, and I, I don't know, I, I agree with you. It was really funny because I, I think I, I the only character that I really genuinely felt for was – Scarlet's friend. I, I found Scarlet to be yeah, like a hybrid Shanti. of everything that I hate in Kirsten Stewart or Kristen Stewart with the way that she emotes in her face and just the character itself was just, I don't know, maybe she was written poorly, but she was just, there's nothing that I connected with. Yeah, 100%. Um, I want to give a shout out to Aaron Tevitt because I thought his character, Adam, it was just like a nutty character. Like I can't root for him because he was a nut job, but he was interesting. Like he, he brought it in the role that he was given. Uh, yeah, uh, Priscilla, what about you? Any, what are your thoughts on the characters? Did any stand out for you? Did you like some? Did you hate some? What'd you think of the characters? That is so odd, because I liked Scarlet after... Really? After seeing how much the the other girls were such bitches to her at the first episode, I was was kind of like, okay, no matter what you do to these girls, I'm rooting for you, because those girls deserve to die. What the hell? Oh, I don't disagree with you. I did root for her to get her revenge on the girls, but I still couldn't find myself really rooting for Scarlet, period. It's kind of like when you really hate somebody and you've had like some a bad relationship with them your entire life, but then you hear that something tragic happens to them, like you sympathize and and you can emote in a way that is understanding, but you still hate their guts. That's funny Mm -hmm. because I was trying to like think of other Ryan Murphy characters because like. Chanel Oberlin over on Scream Queens is unlikable, but she's still fun. Like she, she's fun in her in her sort of like bitchy "see you next Tuesday" e uh, persona. You know what I'm saying? Like she's still oh, yeah. fun, and I just didn't find Scarlet fun. I think it's because she's not meant. To, she's she's kind of meant to be a sociopath without yes. like any of the. And she isn't like a Tate, because even Tate yeah. in season one, I, like, I didn't like him. I didn't root for him and Violet. I know that there's, like, a whole shipping community that people love them, some Violet and Blech. Tate. I did not enjoy them together, but I enjoyed Evan Peters' per- performance as Tate. So, because uh, he's a sociopath. Um, and, and so mm-hmm. I, I get that they were kind of trying to mirror that with Scarlet, but I don't know what it was. I just didn't connect with her. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't moved by Scarlet. 
I don't know if it's the way that they wrote the character or if they instructed her to play it this way, but there were definitely moments where I feel like the character was meant to be humanized to give us the opportunity to connect with her. But the thing is, it didn't translate. I feel like Scarlet was a very one-note character the entire two episodes. I didn't really sense much development with her as a person. She was a petulant, depressed, whatever. And, and recalcitrant. 16-year-old. Yeah, you know, exactly. And like, I, even at the end, it's like, okay, well, what was your journey? So you got revenge against a bunch of bitches. This happened, that happened, that happened. But really, at the end of the day, you didn't grow from your experience at all. And when you did mm – go ahead, sorry. No, 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 continue. But when you – you know, and when you did have these moments where you were supposed to be vulnerable and you were supposed to be, you know, someone that I could connect with, like I did – I rooted for the girls getting their throats slit because they were – because let me face it. I was repressed and I was bullied in high school and I had those daydreams, but they were daydreams, you know. And for her, it wasn't even – it was the same night. Her reaction to being bullied was immediately to jump to, okay, I'm depressed about it for a second, but I'm going to get my revenge five seconds later and I'm going to orchestrate this whole thing. So I don't feel like we were ever given genuine humanization with her or enough time in those moments to develop that relationship. But then there is that side of me that's like, okay, that was effing awesome what she just did because we've all fantasized about doing things to our bullies. I think you hit the nail on the head for me, at least, Vinny, because what was her arc? Like, I thought we were going to see maybe the birth of a serial killer or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I was wondering, like, how is this going to end? Are they all just going to die in the murder house? Because typically that's what happens in the murder house. She does end up getting kind of a happy ending, which, you know, she's able to escape the murder house and return. And she has like a love in the murder house and that sort of thing. But what was her arc? I, I was very confused by that. I thought by the end of it, we'll get a final scene where she becomes like a serial killer and she's well known <laughs> and that sort of thing. But we didn't get that. And, and that was a bit disappointing for me. Priscilla, you and, liked her. Oh, oh wait. Oh well, I was just going to ask my, my other question was like, what was the point? Why did you leave the murder house if you only want to go back? <laughs> yeah. Priscilla, explain it for us. Because clearly Vinny and I didn't connect with Scarlett, <laughs> but you liked her. And I, I'd love to hear your point of view because you like the character. She wants to see the world. She wants to explore. And, like, that makes sense to me. And the, what also made sense to me was the fact that, like, she, you did get the birth of a serial killer. You did get the birth of somebody who went after revenge killings for, of this other guy who she barely knew, but her girlfriend suffered from, and he, she killed him with the murder outfit that she wore in Murder House, and I'm fairly certain she did that with other people too. Okay, all right. So uh, I, I can see that. I, I'm not, I'm not so, I'm like, I wish the show had gone like more into detail about like what she does further from that. Like whether like those were the only deaths that she perpetrated or if she did more. Because I'm fairly certain with like how her porn viewing was going and stuff like that, that the, it was just like the tip of the iceberg and she was going to go into more like sadomasochistic deaths in the future. Yeah, oh, and I think part of the problem you run into with anthology episodes is because you only have an hour, you have to sacrifice certain plot elements that you would normally get when someone has a complete character arc. And it can be very abrupt when you immediately disconnect with three people in a car moving to a place and you get them talking about why they're going there, but you know almost absolutely nothing about their history. So we didn't know 
until later in the episode, obviously, the kidnapping and all that, which we'll talk about. But, I mean, really, we didn't get a really good background fleshed out for Scarlet. So I know for me, sometimes it's really hard to connect with someone in anthologies because of that. And there was nothing that she did that normally would allow me in an anthology to connect with the character. There was nothing that really, like, okay, I get it. I like you now. <laughs> well, let's talk about the kidnapping right now. So as a child, Scarlet had been kidnapped for... It wasn't that long. It was like a couple days, right? It was like 10 days, I think. Yeah, 10 days. What did we think of that plot line that just came out of nowhere? And I don't know if we got a really good bit of connective tissue with that plot line outside of the fact that they were like, well, maybe that sort of influences her sort of like porn viewing habits and fetishes and that sort of thing. Uh, Yeah, did that plot line that little thread of her being kidnapped as a child just come out of the blue for either of you priscilla i'll let you go first that totally fizzled out for me i was like what the hell is that <laughs> thing like you guys didn't connect it to anything you guys didn't have like a flash of a background story where maybe like you you saw the mom being mean to her or maybe you saw the mom be being like an s&m outfit with somebody else there and she was watching as a kid or you didn't get to see any of that because it was just tell not show so it was just it was just a whole bunch of bullshit it was nothing like that that could have totally been cut away for some more meaty like gritty detail in the fur and further in the episode agreed I mean, what we did get was something that made me think that I was watching the wrong channel, and that was watching one of my investigation discovery shows with those really poor and cheesy reenactments where the person who's the victim of the kidnapping is, is like, running after their child and, like, overly dramatically screaming and acting really badly. That's what that like, was. It was. It was so bad, and it really felt like a desperate attempt to flesh out her character and okay, that's great. Why didn't you put that somewhere else where it would have made more sense instead of blatantly throwing out something that is meant to be a plot device to add a, a, a plot thread that we never really got continuity on? There was no closure. It was clearly meant to give us some kind of like, oh, well, something happened that clearly fucked her up. Well, then why did she say, oh, I don't remember anything? I would have preferred her to say, okay, yeah, like, I remember bits and flashes of, like, this happening and that happening, and that would have given something to go with. But instead it was like, no, she was kind of nice to me. I, I don't think I had a scratch on me or, you know, whatever she said. It, it it was unnecessary. Yeah, I think they just wanted to, like, add some sort of reason as to why she is how she is today, but it just didn't work. Uh, they didn't flesh it out as much as they could have. I kind of wish that we had seen a little bit more therapy sessions, to be quite honest. I, I know that we... We, we had a little bit of uh, time constraint because this is an anthology and, uh, I mean, we already went overtime because they made it a two-parter. Uh, but I, I wish that maybe they had gone a full hour each and, and shown us a little bit more of the therapy. I think that might have helped a little bit, yeah. um, a little bit more, at least try to understand why Scarlet was the way she is. Uh, something that I want to discuss now is uh, something that was kind of refreshing to bring back into American Horror Story that, um, that, in my opinion, has been a little bit lacking. And that's the sort of like the overuse of sex, you know, sexuality, um, 
kinks and that sort of thing. I feel like we used to see that in American Horror Story a lot in the early seasons, and then it sort of fizzled out a little bit, and maybe has made a, a little bit of a resurgence in, in recent seasons. But um, it was interesting to see that, especially because Murder House sort of started it all. And, uh, you know, so, so they brought back some of those elements here, and clearly you kind of have to when you have uh, the, the rubber suits. So let's talk about this. Uh, uh, Scarlet has um, an extreme sort of kink fetish. Uh, she loves uh, BDSM. She sees herself as, you know, the implementer of the pain, we learn. She's watching a whole bunch of porn. Um, she She ends up putting on the rubber suits and uh we see her multiple times throughout the two-parter in the rubber suits uh you know sometimes as a gag sometimes uh you know using it to, to murder people what do we think of the usage of how they used sex and kinks and that sort of thing in the episode Vinny. i loved it i absolutely loved it you know i grew up watching friday the 13th halloween Nightmare on Elm Street, all of the 80s, early 90s slashers that it's always an interwoven sensuality and slaughter. You know, it's like the age old rule, like, well, if you have sex, you're going to die, you know, but there's always that element of like extremes. And I do feel like American Horror Story, it started off with a perfect chemistry and dynamic of those two elements. I mean, it really, for me, season one was all about like sin. It was all about the sins that we commit for passions or the sin that we commit for ambition and so much more along those lines, you know. And as we progress through the season, you're right. It did kind of fizzle out. There have been seasons where there was a larger element of, like, corniness, like 1984. You know, we had seasons that explored sisterhood, like Coven. Coven had some sexual elements, but I think Coven is where he kind of started taking things into a little bit more broader spectrum. But I love that we came back to it, not only for Murder House, but for the series, because it has been lacking. Even Hotel, I feel like Hotel, it dabbled, but I do agree that the 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 consistent usage of it and the rubber suit and the, the dark passions that went along with what led her to do what she did, that was an element that I did enjoy. Because at the end of the day, it's like we're all driven by passion. Passion inspires us to do what we do. And having that out of there would have made this, you know, it would have made this a bomb. So I, I agree with you. I think it was really awesome to see this return. And I'm curious to see how far they pursue that, you know, if they bring that element back into other episodes, interweaving horror and sexuality again. And I loved the inclusiveness as well. It wasn't just your typical vanilla, you know, guy and girl. We had almost, we, I don't even think we had a guy and girl relationship. We only had like guy, girl and girl, um, guy on guy, which was very refreshing because usually they always still element, all three of them, but we got to see focus on those two relationship dynamics and that sexuality, which I was honestly, to be honest, when the blowjob scene, I did not expect that. And I was like, oh, okay, well, hello, inclusiveness. Representation matters. Uh, so, okay. So I'm glad that they brought back sex and sexuality into American Horror Story, at least in, in these first two episodes. Uh, I thought it was refreshing because I feel like it has been lacking. Uh, what, what happened in 1984, I think, you know, we had one character have sex with the ghost. But that was pretty much, that was the extent of, of the sex. But we that. also had, wait, wasn't one of their fathers uh, killing hookers or something in the flashback or something? Yeah, okay. something like that. So there was that. Yeah. 
so it, it's been a thousand years since American Horror Story has been on TV. But yes, uh, the one thing I will say that I had a problem with, and this is coming from someone who's not a prude, who's very sex positive, but I had a problem with her being a 16-year-old girl getting into the rubber suit. Yes. Okay. I wasn't going to mention that, but now that you said it, I do agree with you. It was really, really uncomfortable. <laughs> it was. And it's weird because I didn't mind oh. her being I'll, I'll let you go in just one moment uh priscilla i just want to get this point out um i didn't mind her being 16 year old and being curious about porn hell even with her deep um kinks that she was into the extreme you know bdsm that she was watching like i, I didn't mind that storyline because i feel like i mean let's be real i feel like all of us were probably watching porn at the age of 16 so that's <laughs> that's very normal that seemed very normal to me but to have her be 16 and to put on the rubber suit for me it felt a little bit icky and and i think it's because you know we're we're so used to the concept of uh, of just you know young girls being sexualized in the media hello to the britney spears documentary but i mean not just britney spears but but to any young girl in the entertainment industry that like, she is not 16 years old the the actor she is i believe i checked she's 23 or something um, so I, I know she isn't 16, but she's playing a 16-year-old character in, in a very sexualized kind of way in a suit that's designed for adults to use, um, you know, in, in their various kinks. And for some reason, it, it, it kind of icked me out a little bit. When I thought we were going to see a rubber woman, for whatever reason in my mind, I thought it was going to be like a new character in the murder house, like another ghost that was going to put on the rubber suit and maybe seduce the 16-year-old. And for, I don't know, for whatever reason, I find that a little bit more acceptable than the the 16-year-old girl wearing the rubber suit. I was going to say, um, I, but oddly enough, I, I kind of agree with you. I had the same expectation. Yeah. Priscilla, you're about to say something. <laughs> Like, you guys didn't feel the same hang-ups when Tate was wearing the rubber suit, and he was, like, a 16-year-old ghost wearing... I think I know what you're saying, because I thought about this in my mind, and I argued, because I'm a Gemini, so I argued back and forth from both sides of my brain. And the reason I can kind of justify or be sort of kind of okay with Tate being in the rubber suit, even though I remember watching American Horror Story and being kind of like, whoa, you know, that that was Tate that had sex with, um, I think her name was Vivian, the mother, and that, and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I was That was still shocking um, in a good way. Uh, but I think the reason why I can justify my okayness with Tate and is because he was a ghost, and for whatever reason, like much like a vampire, I, I can see a supernatural entity as being kind of ageless. So I don't see Tate fully as a high schooler, even though he did die as a high schooler. That's the only thing that I can do in my in my brain. I don't. Maybe it's the patriarchy, and <laughs> and I'm just okay with with you know the dude doing it and not the girl. I don't know. Maybe that's. I might be able to help you out, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so. This goes back to talking about anthology versus full season. With Tate, remember, we had an entire season to watch the development of this character and the journey that he went on. So when Tate did something that was fucked up, you had all this history to connect with it, and it just made sense. For Scarlet, we, we, didn't, we don't know this bitch. <laughs> she puts the rubber suit on within, what, like the first 10 minutes of the episode, it felt like? <laughs> you know, it's like... So for me... Yes, like looking back, like Tate being a 16-year-old and doing the rubber suit and seducing Vivian and all that, 
obviously there, I, I do feel the same in that concept of like a teenager doing it. But I think that's how I kind of like looking back when I try to justify, well, how did that, or not justify, but figure out how I felt back then watching it, seeing this now and having a different perspective. I think it was the journey of that character. I think it was, this is a character that does fucked up things. We watched him do fucked up things. You know, we've watched him go crazy and he is a ghost now. He's dead after killing a bunch of people and killing himself. So we have that justification explaining his behavior with Scarlet. When she put that suit on, we had just met her. And even when she did it later, it, it's still that first time. That was when I had the ick factor. That was the initial reaction. And had we had more of an arc with her before she put on the suit, I would have still had my general ick that I would have any time a teenager would do that in a television show. But I would have had that same understanding I had back with Tate. I don't know. Like the o- the only ick factor I had was like, bitch, this is an outfit that you have like no idea where it comes from, and you're just putting it on. <laughs> that is gross too. Like, how do- how the fuck do you know where it's been? And for that matter, like, don't you have to powder and prepare to get in a rubber suit on? And doesn't mm-hmm. it have to like fit you perfectly? Like how the how the hell do you know that this one fits you perfectly? And why does it fit you perfectly? One don't size you have- fits aren't all. you thinking about that? One size fits all, apparently, for the rubber suit. Our pandemic senses tingled when she put on the suit that was randomly in her closet that she'd never seen before. I was like, don't touch that. Get hand sanitizer. I know I'm... what that suit has done. Yeah. Exactly. She has no idea what kind of fluids were in that suit. Yeah, it was... That was ick as well. Uh, okay, so... Let's talk about the moment where things go wrong. For Scarlet. So she's flirting with, you know, like the hot girl at school who she feels, you know, isn't out. So they're they're doing like this secret flirtation via text. And she ends up going to a slumber party and things go wrong. Can I tell you when we find out that she's being filmed and streamed on like IG Live or some shit, my jaw dropped. I was not expecting this. It was... Uh, oh my god, like, I really felt for Scarlet. If there was any moment in this two-parter that I felt for Scarlet, it was at that moment where she was basically being used by Maya and her acolytes for entertainment. Uh, can I say, also, point of personal privilege, Paris Jackson, what a revelation. She was, she played the role to a T. She was practically perfect in this role. I became a stan. Like, I was already a stan just because of her family and everything that she's gone through. But, man, like, just acting-wise, I was very impressed with Paris Jackson. Uh, so let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about the slumber party and uh, Scarlet's flirtation with uh, Maya. Priscilla? My God, that was so bad. Like, you could totally tell, like, I don't know, Scarlet's an idiot or something because she didn't see that the seeds were being planted by the popular girls to, like, lead her to the trap. And it was it was really obvious to me that it was a trap. So really? Yeah. Oh, same, same. Oh, wow. I fell for the trap then. And I was kind of like, she's asking for you to get naked, and she's asking for you to get naked at that very spot. Like, there's a camera. There's obviously, like, they're they're setting you up. And <laughs> when she's like, 
leading her on with questions and she's trying to get her to talk. I'm like, oh, damn, bitch, you're, you're just singing. You're just telling her everything. Oh, why? You know what gave it away for me was the emojis. That was what gave it away. I mean, I had an inkling the way she was acting at school and the way she just was like kind of you could tell oh, these are fucking mean girls. I'm sorry. I'm like cussing like a storm tonight. But these are mean girls. And I went to school with these girls. I know what they're like. And as soon as she was like texting with her and then she sends back a picture of a kitty cat in a tongue, I was like, oh, girl, you oh, you were you. I became that woman in the movie theater, that cliche of like, don't go in there. Girl, do not go in there. Do not take your top off. Do not kiss her. Do not do these things because literally it, it, for me, it was very transparent what was about to happen. Like I still felt bad a little bit, but yeah, it was Paris did a great job. She really, really did. But from the person watching as a third party, watching this all happen, I was like, Scarlett, you would, you would dumb be, you, you just dumb. I guess I'm a dumb bitch. Cause I thought she wanted to eat the pussy. Like I was, I I was into it. I was like, Okay, this is going to be the nice little subplot, you know, because there are t- there are times on American Horror Story where there is a nice little subplot, and, and I was like, this will be nice- the nice little subplot, and then it wasn't. So I was like, oh, all right. I hoped I had very I had hopes similar to you, Jeff, but they were very they were very dashed <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that did happen. I did like the turn. Because when, when Paris, like, turned on mine, she was like, well, that went in a very different direction. Like, that, oh, she, God, she yeah. played that so well. Uh, props to Paris Jackson. Um, yes. Uh, let's talk about Ruby. Because Ruby was a different character in the second part. Um, Ruby was is another love interest for Scarlet. She had two love interests uh, throughout the, these two parts. Uh, one that fizzled and one that... Uh, like I would say boiled over for a moment. <laughs> what do we think of I, I think you pronounce it Kaya Gerber? Yeah. Or Kaya Gerber? However you pronounce I it. I think it's Kaya. Kaya. Okay, Kaya Gerber. What did we think of Kaya Gerber as Ruby, Vinny? So she was so fucking familiar to me and I couldn't place it. Like the actress, like I thought that I'd seen her something before, and then I actually found out trivia. She's the daughter of Cindy Crawford. Yes. Yeah, I had no idea um, because and the, Ruby was interesting because okay, did I miss something in the first episode, or did she only show up in the beginning of the second episode? She only showed up in the beginning of the okay. second episode. Ruby was a very disconnected character for me, and it was very hard for me, considering this was a story arc going between two episodes, to connect with her. Um, especially because she's a ghost in this house that we've never seen before. And like my boyfriend argued, well, there's tons of ghosts in here that they show themselves when they want. She could have always been there. And my first reaction was like, well, this is just stupid. This is convenient. And this is stupid that this girl that has obviously has a mean streak and a death wish. She would have messed with those families in season one. She would have definitely been a part of that. And okay. I suspended my disbelief there. And like by the end of the episode, I loved Ruby. But I had a really big struggle for the first half of the episode, connecting with her in the overall story, getting with her. I mean, I understood her and Scarlet because they're both batshit crazy, but I don't know. It it just I would have rather her have appeared earlier in the first episode in some way, shape or form rather than this abrupt. Oh, hi, I'm the new main love interest that's going to play a major part in the story in this latter part of the two episode arc. Uh, but her story itself and her background, like, I did feel for her. Like, I really liked the bathtub scene when she was letting her guard down and, like, talking what happened and why she came to the murder house. And I honestly loved the fact that she killed herself in the murder house. 
Because that's what she said, right? I think. Yeah, she yes. said yes. But she didn't I, I know love... that she was going to be yeah. tied to the murder house. <laughs> like, that was talk about just desserts. Like, okay, you're going to go to this crazy horror house where all this crap has happened and kill yourself and be surprised. It, it was kind of like a nice little chuckle, but I thought that it was, it was a really interesting approach to how a character ended up there. Instead of being drawn by buying the house, being a part of a family, they went there willingly to kill themselves. That's something that I don't – maybe we've seen it before, but I don't think we've seen it to that level. But I don't think that's something they've done before. Yeah, Ruby was interesting. I liked her in the beginning, I didn't like her in the middle, and then I liked her at the end. Because I didn't like that she killed the dads. I felt, like, I understood in her mind why she did it, like, the character motivation. But I, I, uh, yeah, I I felt like that was a little bit too much. I I guess we needed that twist that we got way back in season one when a character had been dead and then they realize that they're dead. Um, You know, sort of echoes of the past and that sort of thing. But I agree with you, Vinny. They should have showed her in the first episode, even if it was just, you know, moments. Uh, You know, I don't know, maybe COVID restrictions and that sort of stuff. If you aren't needed on on set, don't, you know, you're not on set, so we don't need to have you on set. Mm, But they could have edited in some stuff where maybe she filmed when she was there. You know, just things where she's in the background and she's, like, observing everything. And maybe that's where her interest gets peaked for Scarlet or something. I think that just would have fleshed the story out a little bit more because um, as much as I've been saying that this really is, you know, one arc over two episodes, that was a little bit jarring at the start of the episode just to see her in the tub with her um, as if they already had a bond. And we didn't see any of that in the previous episode. And I don't feel like there was like a major time jump between the end of the first episode and the start of the second episode. Because we are talking about the missing girls, the missing bullies, and that sort of thing. Priscilla. Did you guys get the feeling that the first episode they were almost trying to make it seem like ghosts didn't really exist? So they didn't come out until like the very, very last second the Infantata came out and like... The yeah, I, yeah, black in the black rubber suit came out too. Like that was it, and I was like, "Wow, finally we get the confirmation that ghosts exist in the murder house." But for the longest time, like they've been leaving you guys alone. Well, I wondered. Well, no, because no, 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 because uh, okay, because I'm remembering stuff. No, because we did see the rubber man before. We saw the rubber man in the mirror. He was a ghost, and the rubber man killed the uh, therapist. And we did see also, I mean, we saw the ball. So we knew ghosts were around. They just hadn't fully shown themselves to them. Like, we as the audience knew they were there. Uh, the characters, because both of the parents were like, oh, the ghosts aren't real, and this, that, or the other. So they didn't believe in the ghosts. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Priscilla, but I think my perspective on it is I feel like the ghosts were toying with them, and and that was what we were supposed to take from that, was the ghosts that were highlighted in this story arc were definitely there, but they, they were kind of playing up that whole sneak factor of we're just going to ease up to it. But at the same time, I agree with you. Like I, I feel like there was an element of like they were trying to draw things out like the ball was very subtle, then the mirror, and then the therapist getting killed. But I wanted to see other ghosts. I really did. Like the infantata was there for like two seconds, 
you know, but I would have liked to see, you know, something else that had some connection with the other ghosts in the house, maybe. I mean, I know it's hard to get the the big top build stars back. Obviously, we're not going to get Jessica Lang back. We're not going to probably get Lily Rabe to show up. But it would have been nice to have, like, maybe the guy who played the crazy doctor, the surgeon, right? Like, have something linked with him. I mean, he was the whole reason the house was, like, there in the first place. He was, like, the mm-hmm. first resident, if I remember correctly. Like, I think it would have been nice to see some more of the ghosts, different ghosts, messing with them. Or even not messing with them, but kind of like we talked about with Ruby. Having some more ghosts in the background, or even more jarring, having, like, someone be walking down a hallway talking about ghosts not existing. And we see the ghost is standing right there, but we know the people talking don't see it the ghost hasn't made itself visible i think that would have built up things in a much better suspense way because it did kind of feel like it was dribbled throughout the episode and then kind of at the very end we got a little a lot more i do co-sign that yeah um yeah we did get allusions to the other ghosts uh, dr grant mentioned uh, dr Harmon, so uh, there was a tiny bit of connective tissue even though we didn't see him um, so, I mean, I guess that, that is unfortunate. Uh, we did get some callbacks to other ghosts. Like, I don't know if they were played by the same actors, probably not the kids because you would think the kids are older now, but like the kids that were, that are dead in the house, like that's a callback to some of the older ghosts. Uh, the nurse is a callback to, you know, previous ghosts that we were introduced to clearly the Enfantada as well is a callback to, you know, one of the creatures from season one of the mothership. But I do agree we needed a little bit more, and a little bit more of them sprinkled around. Uh, I like the concept of them being in the shadows, and, you know, the cast doesn't know that they're there, but we know that they're there. So I, I think that would have worked for just the creep factor. In, Can we uh, talk about the pigman? Yes, Piggy Man. That is a callback as well. I forgot about him. I I, like why did that that made absolutely no sense to me. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched Roanoke, but I don't think there was a connection with Roanoke and Murder House, was there? Yes, the Piggy Man was in season one of Murder House. Oh god, it's been that long. Okay. Um the actor that plays Cam from Modern Family guest starred in that episode. And he was scared of the piggy man, and it was in that bathroom when he saw oh. the piggy man. But it was, remember, it wasn't the piggy man a ghost. I think it was people that were, like, stealing from the house, or they were, um, they were squatting in the house. It was, like, a real person okay. that was in the piggy man thing, I think. I can't remember now, because it's been a moment since I've seen the very first season of The Mothership. But I do know that there was a piggy man moment. Because he well, went to go because... see Dr. Harmon or something. I don't okay. Remember. It was something like that. Yeah. Because I just immediately was like – because they also talked about the butcher at one point in this referencing Roanoke again. So I, I had forgotten about that in the first season. That You have now helped me connect the dots. I appreciate you. Yes, you're welcome. Although I don't know if in the full context I, if I gave it properly. <laughs> but I do remember there was the piggy man scene, and it was the dude from Modern Family. Yes, because I was shocked, you know, because you're used to him a modern family, and then all of a sudden he's getting piggy manned. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's see. Let's talk about the deaths that were featured in over the co- course of these two installments, because there was a lot of death. Like, the, the bodies did pile up. Uh, I feel like everybody that died actually did deserve it for the most part. Um, what did we think of, of the deaths? Were any surprising? 
Uh, were you surprised that Scarlet didn't die? I wasn't surprised that Scarlet didn't die because, like, they wanted something kind of like the whole Tate Violet thing, and they wa- but they wanted it to be like a slight twist, something slightly different to make it more, more Romeo and Juliet slightly, but with a lesbian twist. And having one be alive and one be dead and to visit only once a year is as Romeo and Juliet as you can get. So, Diet American Horror Story, now with a slice of lesbianism. Yes. There you go. (laughs) I wanted Scarlet to die, but I I had a feeling that she wasn't going to. And I don't think there was really any death that was surprising. I almost expected that Scarlet's best friend was going to show up at the house out of concern and be like the one martyr victim that was like trying to help her and Scarlet would kill her. I felt like there was a story arc there that we didn't get to see because the friend only showed up like I think twice, but she felt important. Uh, So I was pleasantly surprised that she survived and she didn't get enmeshed. But when she did her whole dialogue of like how she was impacted, I was definitely affected. Like I felt for the poor girl. Um, As far as the dads, that was so obvious. It was literally like I was wait. I knew someone was going to be the violet of this episode. So it was kind of refreshing when that wasn't Scarlet and that she did live. But with the dads, it was I kind of saw that coming and I pretty much expected that was going to be the case. Um, and I loved the scene in the basement with the four girls because it was definitely like it was chaos. It was pure, utter chaos and the flashing lights and the sense of urgency in the characters and the actors did it really well. Like, again, Paris Jackson was phenomenal. And just Ruby, I mean, not Ruby, but um, Scarlett, just the, wearing the suit and not being able to see her emotes. But I knew what she was feeling. So I will give her credit in that regard. The total bloodlust, the ambience of that scene was really, really well done. It was a flashback to some old school slashers. Um But it would have been nice to have been totally surprised by a death, but that didn't really happen. The contractor, I felt bad for him. I felt sorry for him. Oh, yeah. Just there out of nowhere and just got. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't surprised, but I definitely felt bad. And then when he came back later and he was like, I've got the numbers for it in death, I'm like, oh, you poor man. I know, right? Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's a living. Uh,. Okay, I, I was worried for Shanti, the best friend. Uh, when she showed up at the end, and she, like, spilled her heart out, and then, like, the bullies were hovering. And even Ruby, because Ruby was kind of nuts. So I was just like, please let this girl live. And she did, so I was very happy with that. Um, I Also, I will co-sign all of the excitement for when the bullies died, because they were horrible um yes and uh and ruby torturing them by you know cutting their faces off in death and in ghostdom it was um fantastic as well we've been talking about the mythos uh you know throughout the podcast but something that um that happens at the end that's part of the american horror story murder house mythos is the rules for the ghost you know we do see halloween at the murder house again and we know that on Halloween, ghosts can leave the murder house, they can run amok, and uh, for that night only, and that sort of thing. And we get that taste in um, in this uh, in, in this uh, one-off, even though it's just with pretty much the ghosts that were introduced in uh, this sort of self-contained story. So I am glad that they continued the mythos. Uh, I was really excited when 
we saw, you know, the glimpses of it being Halloween time because I, you know, it reminds me of, you know, the great episodes of American Horror Story that take place on Halloween. Did this live up to my Halloween AHS expectations? Not really, to be quite honest. Although I did like that we got to see, like, a haunted maze, because I personally like going to those. And there's always a little thing in the back of my mind of, like, you know, a killer could actually kill all of us, you know, as we're walking through this damn maze. Um, and, and that basically did happen uh, in the episode. Uh, what did we think of Halloween in Rubber Woman? Just once. I want them to get all of the... Go- I, I really want it. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I would have loved to see the doors to Murder House open with some twisted, weird music and every single friggin' ghost walk out those gates. It would just... It would have been such a nerd moment for me that would make me so happy to see all of those characters from that season that died and that we know are in that house and just all of them come out to unleash their hell on the world. It would be so impactful, and I was really hoping it would happen. Obviously, it didn't, but no, I loved it. I That was one of my favorite elements because you do... You, no matter how shitty they are, you do have a, an element of, like empathy for the fact that like these people are trapped in this house and let's face it the roster of the number of ghosts in that house like exponentially increased with this story arc being added to the mythos so it's like obviously they go somewhere when they're not there but they're still always there so it's pretty cramped right like i love the element of like ruby passing gladys in the hallway and being like thanks for not stopping me lately sis you know it was kind of like high school (laughs) but it's it's really getting to that level and so seeing all of them walk out on halloween with spooky music i think that would have been amazing but it was really well done and i co-sign with you on corn mazes what about you priscilla i i liked the halloween i felt like I felt like it was a really cute couple's date, especially the part where where they're like, "I saved you one." She's in the corner, like, and it, and it's just a murder. It's just a murder ghost for them to murder. I'm just like, "Damn, how do you know that that's the murder ghost and not an actual alive person that you're killing the outside of the house?" Like, shit. Okay, y'all are fucked up, but okay, that that's how that's how. Your coupleship works with each other. That that's how that's how y'all get down. Okay, I'm down for that. But ah, oh God, it it just it whipped out so much. But when all four that when all four of the bitches got together and they're and they're like, I I, I can't hold them off. Run! And I'm like, God damn it, really? It's gonna end up like that? You're not you're not gonna work two against four or some or you're not going to tell your friends it'll be three against four or something or to that extent? Cool. I will agree with you because if Scarlet was able to kill all four of them, <laughs> why wasn't she able to stay behind and help Ruby? You mean in the murder house? Yeah, because I, I think what Priscilla, what you were saying is like, why did Scarlet run away and like not try to team up with Ruby against them, right? Yes. Well, I think like, the... Yeah. She I handled think, it before by herself. Well, yeah, I think the problem I, I is, is, that, with- is that they live forever. So they're going to always be coming for Scarlet. Oh, true. You know? So it's like every day they're going to try to kill her again and again and again. And who really wants to live like that? You know? <laughs> Plus, if she was going to have to die, she should die in the house so she can be with Ruby. Yeah, you know, she's, you know, making a cup of coffee and she's got to look over her shoulder because she might get killed, you know? 
She can't yeah. pee without thinking, shit, I might get murked in, in the bathroom or something. So I, I understood that, even though I, personally, I didn't like that Scarlet got a happy ending. I honestly don't really like when they do a full-on happy ending at the end of American Horror Story. I feel like maybe some characters should, but I think for the most part, you should, you know, it, it's a horror film. Like, you should uh, have... There should be a final girl. There should just be twist endings where everybody gets fucked over. Twists or at least an ambiguous yeah. ending, you know, where... The ending was stupid, in my opinion. Yeah, because everybody got a happy ending. Like, at the end of the day, the bullies and the husbands, they're they are all sort of living, you know, peaceful, all copacetic in the murder house. It's yeah. like the most peace in the murder house that we've ever seen, period. Like, you mentioned it, Vidi, you know, um, Nurse Gladys was, like, walking down and said, oh, thank you for not murking me today. Like, it, it's... It's too peaceful in the murder house. It was strange. Let's face it. Would Constance let that shit go down? Like, no. <laughs> Constance was looking out her window like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, there's some nasty-ass ghosts in that house. And I, I'm sorry, but, like, I hated the full house sitcom ending. I thought it was... And I, I don't like that Scarlet got a happy ending either, but it, it just, it fell flat for me. Like, I really enjoyed the second episode more than the first, but, like, the ending, I was like, are you, that's, that's it? There's not even, like, a, even if we never got another Return to Murder House, I would have loved it if there was some kind of, like, a cliffhanger where, like, someone shows up and, like, that wasn't in the episodes. Like, one of the ghosts come back, and I know I keep beating a dead horse with that, but, like... This is where I make the joke about die in American Horror Story, missing the engaging content that you love, because I expected something darker. I expected something big, but it just kind of went out with the fizzle. This is why I liked the first episode more, because the first episode at least had the thing <laughs> of like, oh my god, you have the girls and they're stuck in the vent or whatever the the, mm -hmm, the shaft mm -hmm. and aha you're never gonna find out where they are now because i hid them and i'm completely cool with going to therapy and hiding the fact that i murdered a whole bunch of girls in the house hee hee and in the, <laughs> the second part of it it turns into i have a girlfriend and she's a ghost girlfriend and we meet each other once a year on halloween because we're in love in the murder house <laughs> I'm like, what? what it should have been one episode. It should have just been one episode. In all honesty, I feel like that would have been better. Turn into Twilight. Turn into <laughs> Twilight. Was there anything in the plot that I missed that either of you would like to bring up uh, as, as we sort of start wrapping things up? Was there anything that I missed? A little moment, a little plot point or anything that I missed that either of you would like to discuss? <laughs> don't think so. I think we covered like the, the points that merit covering. <laughs> okay. I will give a shout out to the opening credits. I don't know if they will change episode to episode. Uh, this the, the, the ones that we saw for Rubber Woman Part 1 and Part 2 were very rubber-centric. So in my mind, it would make sense that for the subsequent episodes you know they would be focused on whatever the episode is but maybe it's just going to be sort of like the rubber theme since all the promo art seemed to be very rubber woman man centric anyway <laughs> one thing that i did absolutely love that was a nice callback was when ruby talked about how the real estate agent buried my bones in the backyard oh yeah because she was a bitch yeah 
<laughs> who ended up getting her comeuppance in hotel. Yes, 100%. Um, and, and also, since I re- referenced the opening credits, the, the style of it, uh, props that they actually used the American Horror Story music. So, you know, it made it seem very familiar. All right, so now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Since there were two episodes, it was a two-parter. We will do uh, two rounds of MVPs. An MVP for part one and an MVP for part two. So let's do our part one MVPs first. Priscilla, who's your MVP for part one? I'm going to have to give it to Scarlet. I liked her. I love the fact that she got revenge on those bitches. I hated them. As soon as as soon as soon I saw that they were they were going to set her in a trap, I was like, oh, girl, you're not going to get back from this shame. And you were the one that was talking about the shame from the first place. How are you going to get back from this? And she did. She bounced back from it. Except she didn't go to school to confront the shame, so... Maybe she really didn't get past that after all. But still, good props to her. Scarlet for my MVP. All she needs is the um, the Game of Thrones lady for the shame. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny, what about you? Your MVP and why? The first episode, there was... It may sound weird, but I'm going with the therapist, Marin Dungy. I, I I loved the therapist, and she was really, for me, she I, I don't want to say comic relief, but I just really enjoyed her character, and I wanted to see more. And I felt that she served a really good purpose, because it was her death that was really the first death that started everything. Because I think with Murder House 2, murder wakes that house up even more. A gateway to things we knew things were getting started and we knew things were going and the rubber man did it so it's like oh my god there's there's the guy you know and she was she was the the gateway sacrifice whatever you want to call it but that aside i just really enjoyed her character i, I know that she had some better lines in episode two when she talked about writing a book and her ambitions um but no i really enjoyed her character and, and i thought that it was you know, it was kind of funny that another therapist is in this house now. I really enjoyed that fact. Um, but also my choice is because I, there really wasn't another character that came to mind immediately more so than her because I didn't really like a lot of them. Perfect. I was so scared mine was going to be taken away. But I have to give it to Maya. Maya was my second choice. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. Maya Paris Jackson for me. She was, for me, the revelation of, of the two-parter. I was just very impressed by her acting as an actor, her emoting, uh, yeah, uh, she was a bitch, but she played that bitch to a T. So, um, yeah, I'll, I will give it to Maya. Now, time for MVPs for part two. Vinny, you start things off. Uh, who's your MVP Actually, for part two? Actually, Jeff, I'm going to be nice because you don't always get to go first. and I'm going to let you go first. Oh, that's very kind of you. All right. Um, okay, that's awesome. I was not expecting to go first, so <laughs> I'm, I'm getting thrown for a loop. Uh, but, okay, so I'm going to give it to, and it's a character that had a teeny tiny little role, but he just played the fuck out of it. And I have to give it to Aaron Tevitz, Adam. Uh, he just went from zero to a thousand, 
in the like a split second and it worked for me it, it fit into the craziness the nuttiness the horrific nature of the murder house it was very believable for me and um even though i didn't really like the husband dynamic uh in the second episode it, it you know the marital strife just sort of came out of nowhere and maybe it is a problem, as you said, Vinny, you know, because it is a self-contained story told over two episodes, but it doesn't have the benefit of a 13-episode season. So that fell flat. But even though he's involved in it, he it worked for me. So I enjoyed Adam. Vinny, what about you? I'm going to have to give it to Ruby. I, you know, I didn't like her in the, kind of like you, Jeff, like there were moments most of the episode where I was very disconnected with her and didn't like her. But in the end... There were things that she had done that I did like her, and the journey that I went on with the character of Ruby coming from a place of, like, who the hell are you, and why are you in that bathtub, to by the end of the episode, like, I knew who she was. I rem- I walked away from this episode with her being perhaps the most memorable character for me because, okay, let's just face it, purely, like, shallowness, like, I love the Madonna look from the 80s. It's one of my absolute favorite. Had I been a woman in the 80s, I would have been rocking fishnets, cut off jeans, and a black leather jacket, and a headband all the time. But it was just that with the persona and like everything about, there was this gravitas to Ruby that she won me over by the end of the episode to where I do walk away from it impressed with that character. So, giving it props to Ruby. I feel like we all know who Priscilla's going to choose. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I know. Maybe I'm wrong. Priscilla, your MVP? I'm going to give it to the best friend. Oh, I am surprised. Because I loved her her um, speech that she gave about if you really love someone, you let her go to Ruby. Aw, yes. I feel like that was the impetus that she gave, what the impetus needed to finally let make Ruby understand that she needed to let Scarlet live her own life outside of the murder house and it needed to come from somebody who was sincere and it like to come from like such a mousy character but to cut to, to and to go and to go to someone like that who was like so brave and so like bigger like such a larger personality to you and to say something like that to that is crazy so yeah i love that actress giving it to the best friend shout out to shanti belissa escobedo is who played shanti she was she was really good now it's time to rate the episode how would you rate uh, this episode on a scale of one to ten infantatas the point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden infantata. Because it is a two-parter, much like how we did for the MVP, we can give two separate ratings for each episode. Uh, or, you know what I'm saying, a, a separate rating for each episode. I do feel like we all want to give a separate rating for each episode based off of just, you know, the casual conversation we've been having this past hour. So, uh, let's start off with Vinny. How would you rate part one and separately part two? So part one, I'm going to give it a five because it's kind of right there in the middle. Like it didn't have everything I was hoping for, but I didn't hate it. I also didn't love it. It was, 
it was just like diet American Horror Story. I keep saying that, but that's like what I felt like. It was there. There was so much potential for what they could have done and twists they could have given us and new things that we could have experienced. And it did come across to me as more of the same. And while there was the element of wistful nostalgia, at the same time, you know, it's a new series. You're launching a new platform. I would have, I would have liked to see more. Um, so yeah, first episode, I'm going to give a five. Uh, did you want me to go ahead and do the second one? Absolutely. Okay. So the second one, I'm going to give a seven. Um, I, I loved more parts in the second episode. I think that we got more action. I think we got more things going and happening. There, there. I mean, obviously, the, the first one was kind of like setting the the the, the stage. There, that's what I'm looking for. And in the second episode, you know, we get more of the meat and potatoes. Yeah, I, I think the second episode had some really, really memorable moments. We had Ruby, like I talked about, an MVP. We had what Priscilla talked about, that really awesome moment. There was some great acting by multiple people in the episode. But overall, I just walked away from that episode more impressed and with a more lasting memory of the experience in a positive light than I did with the first episode. Um, I'll be extra special. For all of them combined, I would probably give them a six and meet in the middle. Okay. All right, Priscilla, what about you? How would you rate the episodes? Okay, so for the first episode, I completely disagree with Vinny. I would give it an (laughs) 8. I really liked the first episode. I felt that it was interesting. I felt that it was akin to more the average episodes of American Horror Story. I felt that um, Scarlet was, unlike both of you, I was actually kind of hooked on Scarlet. I liked her. As a character in the first episode, I thought that her revenge arc was, like, really fucking interesting. But I will digress and say that in the second episode, I didn't like her as much. I didn't really care for the whole romance plot between her and Kai Gerber. And I felt that the whole happy ending was really hackneyed and not true to the whole American horror story aesthetic, which is that everybody should suffer and everybody in the American, in, in the house should suffer at least, if not necessarily the story itself. And there shouldn't be any final girls. So I'm going to give that one a five. Yeah, an eight and a five. And um um I agree with you. I'd meet in the middle and give it a six. Woot woot. We disagreed but agreed. I'll take it. Well damn. Okay, so I am going to give I will co sign with Priscilla. I'm gonna give the first one an eight as well. I feel like an the eight is an appropriate number. It gave me the nostalgia feels. I was really excited to watch it. I watched it uh, premiere night. Um, I didn't realize that Hulu drops them at midnight Eastern Standard. I'm so used to like the Disney Plus and the Netflix models where, you know, it's 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. 12 a.m. Pacific. Um, But once I noticed, it was like maybe about 2 a.m. when I noticed and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm watching this shit. So I watched both of them back to back. And I got my nostalgia feels. I, I, I loved the first one. I, I thought, even though I did not really like Scarlet, like, I really enjoyed the story. I was invested in the overall storyline and the ending, as we discussed, you know, with the, the bullies getting murdered, was, uh, you know, American Horror Story at its finest. You know, the, the chaos of that reminded me of, uh, you know, some of the moments where, you know, just a random 
you know, gardener or something would die in the murder house. Uh, it was fantastic. The second one was a bit of a drop for me for basically a lot of the stuff that Priscilla said. The romance didn't really work. Scarlet was kind of all over the place. The end uh, with everyone getting a happy ending. While I did enjoy some of the performances, and there were some shining moments, it was just lacking from the first part. And I'm going to give the um, part two, I'm going to give it a six and a half. So I guess my average is a little bit higher. Maybe it's about a 7 for both of them. Uh, but we're all pretty much, you know, on a similar wavelength at, at the end result versus uh, maybe some of the scoring of the individual episodes because clearly Vinny liked Part 2 more than Part 1. Now, my final question before we leave is, do we want to see any of these characters again? You know, this is an anthology series, but uh, it's an anthology series much like The Mothership and On The Mothership. Even though we have a full season with characters, even though um, you know they have entire arcs over the season, that sort of thing, on occasion we do see some of these characters popping up in other seasons, or referenced in other seasons, and that sort of thing. Would we like to see any of these characters again, maybe, in, you know, in, in a small role in another anthology episode? Question mark? I'd, love I'd love to see Paris Jackson's character again. I think she's got magnetism, and I think, like, the mean girl ghost has a lot more to play. And it, I think that would be interesting. I think Scarlet's, like, um, murder on the road with the rubber suit is just, I don't know. I think it's kind of boring, so I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to see her again, but, yeah. Scarlet's going to get her own own spinoff called Burnin' Rubber. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I I will co-sign on seeing Maya again. Out of everyone in this cast, Maya, what, Paris Jackson, she nailed it. She hit it out of the water. She gave me Heather Chandler. She gave me every bitchy woman I have ever like had that side of me that loves a, a good evil character. Um, the rest of them are kind of forgetting. I mean, maybe the best friend. Uh, I'll give her props. Um, but even Ruby, I mean, r let's face it. Ruby was just another kind of version of Tate in some ways. So was Scarlet. I, I think we saw a lot of parallels to characters in the first season. So do I want to? Not really, other than Maya. Do I think that we will inevitably at some point? Not. I don't know if it's going to be in this series or if they're going to bring anything over, if they're ever going to revisit Murder House and the Mothership again. Um, but yeah, I don't think there was really... Maybe even, okay, I'll, you know what, Jeff, this is for you because I do agree with you. Aaron Tevitz's character, only because he went from, like, calm, mild-mannered to batshit crazy. He did a really good job as well, so I'll, I'll add him to that list. I will co-sign the Meyer love. And my hope is that Ryan Murphy and company, they end up picking some of these people, you know, the ones that really stand out, you know, like Paris Jackson stood out. Maybe not necessarily having Maya, on the mothership, but at least graduating her as an actor from the spinoff to the mothership. Like, I'd love to see what Paris Jackson could do with a character over the course of multiple episodes. You know what I'm saying? Like, the character growth, development, that sort of thing. I think that would be interesting to watch. So, my hope is that 
whether it's the characters or just the actors, you know, getting Aaron Tevitz on, on the main one, you know, because he was so impressive to us um, in part two. Getting some of these actors to do the mothership might be kind of neat. So hopefully... We are getting one. Hmm? We are getting one. Kaya Gerber is going to be in double feature. Oh, yes, I do. I do remember reading that. Yes. Uh, so hopefully we get some more of that because uh, clearly with um, with this uh, spinoff, with its anthology style where it's, you know, a different story every episode, they're going to be bringing in a whole bunch of different actors that they've never worked with before. And so hopefully they can, you know, pick some of the, the gems from these episodes and uh, upgrade them into the mothership. Hey, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You got your wish. Paris Jackson. Paris Jackson is going to be the second portion of Double Feature on the Mothership. Oh, exciting. I don't think yeah. I remember reading that. So, uh, okay, that's exciting. So, I, I look forward to that. So, uh, on that bit of exciting news, join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid? Hashtag AH Stories. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? AH Stories and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Priscilla. Good night, everybody. And Vinny. Good night. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid? Hashtag AH Stories every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.